Are we ready for God's word tonight? So tonight, you know, we've been talking about stewardship um, all through this month, stewardship, especially on this, in the Sunday services. And last Sunday was really powerful. But we're going to look at stewardship from another angle, the stewardship of people. So I've titled this Noisemakers versus Lovers. <laughs> I know some people are interested in that. <laughs> Noisemakers versus lovers. Father, thank you once again. Flow through these frail lips of clay and have your way in Jesus' name. Noisemakers versus lovers. Turn with me quickly to Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. And get ready after that, we'll read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Verses 1 to 9. Are we there? Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So you get the drift. Jesus is having a discussion with this guy who is a lawyer. And then Jesus goes on to say, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who strip, stripped him of his clothing wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on to the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by to the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him into an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, that's the lawyer said to Jesus, he who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. 
He said, go and do likewise. You know, earlier on, he had told him, do this and you will live. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor, what? As yourself, and you will live. That means that you will have what? Eternal life. So it did mean that the, the lawyer was not necessarily living. He was not necessarily alive. He was living here on earth, but he felt there was something more. There was emptiness. And that's why he was asking, what must I do to have eternal life? What must I do to have an assurance of the future? What must I do to really be alive? I'm living, yes, I'm a lawyer. You know lawyers. They are what? Learned. They are the only learned people. All the, all the, all the rest of us, we didn't go to school. <laughs> Including those of us that spent, like, I spent like seven or eight years in the university, yes? Seven years. And it wasn't like today when, you know, the schools are closed and then, yeah, they closed my school once in a while, but it wasn't this bad. We were supposed to spend four years and you spent eight years. But we believe all that will change in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, there were times that we did rallies and protests and they shut the school down, but it wasn't anything that would cause a very, very long delay. Hello? And I went to school here in Nigeria. So... Right now, we're in Lagos, Nigeria, right? And I went to school in a place called Ife. Do you know Ife? <laughs> it was called Obafemi. It was called University of Ife then, but somewhere along the line, the name was changed to OAU, Obafemi Awolo University. So I went to two-in-one, right? So it was good. I read architecture, so I spent about seven years. Because in our school, you had to do the almost combined, the first degree, but lawyers, they are the only ones that went to school. I have one in my house, praise God. And when that happened, we were like, yes, don't let anybody offend Pastor Nikki or Pastor Sam now. So let me focus on the message. So this lawyer, because it's interesting that this is a lawyer. Hello? Because this man knew, probably he knew the Old Testament because that's all they had. He had read it academically, at least to know what is there. So you can argue with people very well. But he came to Jesus and said, what teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to live? What must I do to be sure about even life after now that I'll be in a good place? Because it looks like this lawyer job may not really do it for me. It's putting money in my pocket, yes, but I think there is something more. Tell your neighbor, there's something, there something more. And then Jesus went into the story. In the Bible, it's called parables. I like Jesus. He told stories. He preached in a simple way. Hello? If you check out the Gospels, his, his, his stories, his preaching was always very simple because the Bible says the common people heard him gladly. They didn't have to go and get a dictionary to say, what did he see? The opprobiums of the... <laughs> Let's not go there. Some people are gifted in that. I like the simple. The one that people will understand. Hello? And so he went into this story. And you know, Jesus many times, when his disciples asked him questions, or when people asked him questions, he will ask them a question in return. He was a teacher indeed. 
How many teachers do we have here? Principals, teachers, or children of teachers. <laughs> he would always answer with a question because he wanted to make sure that you understand. That you understand. He wouldn't just give you the answer. Don't always give your children the answers. Hello? I'm digressing now. Yes, because I'm a teacher and I'm a mother. Don't always give them the answer straight. Tell them to research. Ask them another question. Let it be a discussion. Hello? So that it can stick with them. So Jesus, you know, went into this story. A certain man went down to Jerusalem and he was attacked. We're very familiar with that, right? But that would not be your portion. But some of us have been attacked before. But thank God for God's mercies, right? And we came out alive and well. And so he said, a certain man went down to Jerusalem. He fell among thieves. They stripped him, wounded him, and left him half dead. A priest came down that road. And what happened? He saw him and what? He passed by. No, if it is today of where we are, especially in this our city, no, they won't pass by, they will stay. <laughs> then post it on YouTube, post it on, and sometimes I wonder, and they could stay and watch someone being beaten. It's good to post it because it creates awareness. Come and see, this man is being beaten right now. You know, so everybody's aware, and then we begin to make noise, you know, the police, da, 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 and all of that. But sometimes, I wonder, they can stay and watch. But this, this priest did what? He just passed by. to the, And then, who else came again? A Levite. These Levites, they were, the, they were the people that were called of God. The lineage, you know. When the Levite arrived at the scene, he looked and crossed to the other side. I'm not forming this. That was in your Bible? He crossed over to the other side. But a Samaritan came and did what? He had what? Compassion. He had what? Compassion. He showed him mercy. He went the extra mile. At least he stopped to help him. And we don't really know what the Samaritan was on his way, where he was going. He must have been going somewhere. Hello? Have you found anybody that's not going anywhere? He's walking around. I don't even know where I'm going. <laughs> Especially if you live here. Well, I don't know what busy part of the world you, you live in, you're watching from. You're busy, you're, you're going to work, you're going to speak somewhere, you're going to, you're going to do something. But I found out that Jesus always stopped to help people. Not condemning you if you can't stop, because there are times when I couldn't also stop. Hello? Because what you're going to do, you might feel, is more important than stopping to help someone. Jesus will always stop. And I believe that's why many times he will get late. I like to tell of the story. He got late to Lazarus. Lazarus was already dead. <laughs> because on the way, he was, of course, helping people. Ah, if it's you too, during that time, you, see, you will stop him on the way, won't you? Ah. So this man stopped to help him. And Jesus said to the lawyer, Go and do likewise. Go. Because he said, who is my neighbor? So he was trying to tell him that his neighbor was who? Whoever was around him that what? Needed help. That was your neighbor. 
part-time. That's your neighbor part-time. So your neighbor is not just the person that lives next door to you. But I want us to read again another scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Oh, one of my favorite in the Bible. You know, it's like a prose. It's a poem. It's poetic. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I'd like to encourage you. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 to 13. You know, the whole chapter. Read it. If you can read it every day. Read it over a period of time. The love of God will be formed and birthed in you all over again. Praise God. Make it a confession in your life that love is patient. Love does not envy. Keep confessing it. You'll find out that it's easier to walk in love than you've you know, ever been able to do. Um, it's the story of my life. If there's time, I'll share a bit more about that chapter and how um, it affected me many years ago. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of all prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and though I have all faith so I could move mountains, but have not love, I am what? Nothing. Let's just stop there. Verse 3. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Let's continue. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. And though I give my body to be burned. But I have not love. It profits me what? Nothing. Nothing. Let's stop there. Though I have, I give my goods to the poor. And I give my body to be burned. It profits me nothing. You can give without loving. You can give to show someone that you have money. Ah. They have to take. You can give so you can be uh, celebrated. Oh, what a great philanthropist. But you can't love without giving. If love, true love is in your heart, the God kind of love, you can't love without giving. You may not give money, you may give of your time, you may give of yourself, but you will be a giver. Love and giving goes together. The most popular scripture in the Bible, what? John 3.16. I believe it's the most popular. For God so loved the world that he gave. We can just stop there. Then he goes on to say what he gave. He so loved the world. He so loved Christians. He so loved only those who loved him. He so loved the world. He so loved the church. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That he gave his best. And whoever believes in him will not die but have what? Eternal life. And that's the eternal life that this guy, this lawyer guy was craving for. That he knew he needed, but he didn't know how to go about it. And God so loved the world, he gave his only son, Jesus, 
so that if we believe in him, we will have eternal life because he believed that if we believed in him, we would not only believe in him, but we would do his works and therefore have the eternal life. Hello? He believed that as he loved the world and gave Jesus, we will also love and have eternal life. That's where in some places Jesus will say, if you believe in me, you will live. But now this lawyer came to him and said, what must I do to have eternal life? And he didn't say, this time around, he didn't say, uh, just believe in me and you'll be fine. He believed already. I think he believed in Jesus already. If not, he wouldn't have come to him and he called him teacher. He could have called him Lord. He acknowledged him already. But Jesus wanted him to do this extra. It's not just enough to believe, but you have to be like this Samaritan who had compassion, who loved, who gave when the need arose. Praise God. So God is not saying, leave your legal work and be going around like this Samaritan. This Samaritan man was going somewhere. Hello? We don't know his job. He was a Samaritan. He wasn't even described by his profession. Do you know what Samaritan is? Do you know Samaria? It was a place in the Bible, in Bible days. He was from Samaria. And those Samaria, people from Samaria, they were considered, you know, the lower people of the society. Remember the woman. They call her the Samaritan woman as well. <laughs> in John chapter 4, who had five husbands. She had issues. Right? You think you have issues? Check her out. She had issues, but Jesus resolved it for her. Well, that story is for another day. But she was from Samaria. They and the Jews, they don't mix. And Jesus was a Jew. So, they passed through Samaria, they were in Samaria, and they were going through to other places, and they were hungry, and disciples went to look for food, and then Jesus began to talk to this woman. Even the woman looked down on Jesus. You, how can you, you know, a Jew, you're talking to me. She had already said, we don't have dealings. We don't talk. So this Samaritan man, because he was from Samaria, he was called the Samaritan, and then we called him what? The good Samaritan. We don't know what his profession was. Maybe he was a doctor. Maybe he was also a lawyer. But these other people were described by their profession. The priest, ah, he was in a hurry going to the synagogue to preach what? Noisemaker. The Levite too. Mm. He crossed over to the other side. Can't you see my big Bible? We are going to do the work of God. <laughs> they are noisemakers. Can you see now how they are noisemakers? Let's read 1 Corinthians 13 again. Just the first part. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, the lawyer could speak with the tongues of men. Uh-uh, grammar intact. The priest also, he knew the Greek, he knew all the translations. To speak with the tongue of men. Talking about people who have, have verbal eloquence. Preachers, teachers. And many of us aspire to. And you know what? Ultimately, when you excel in your profession, you'll be a speaker. Hello? I thought somebody would say amen to that. Amen. People didn't say amen. 
there's money there. Let's not go into that. Some people think that, hey, just go somewhere and speak. Don't mind, you know, Pastor was saying last Sunday that eh, they gave him juice. <laughs> After a time, they won't give you juice again. Most people, when they become authorities in their area, their field of endeavor, they are asked to speak. So get ready. When you become successful in your business, in your, even in your nonprofit that you're running, People will say, come and teach us how to sell salt effectively, successfully. How to do this. Do you notice that most presidents, if not all, after their tenure, no matter the country, immediately they become speakers. So I wonder though, for, about those who don't want to live, only in Africa, but the story is changing. Even the 90-something-year-old man, our neighbor, he's getting tired. I don't understand because it's a very, very lucrative business. And I'm not just talking about preachers. I mean, preachers, we preach because God sent us to speak and we have to preach the word of God. Amen. It's whatever we are given that we take. But people who are professional speakers, they charge per hour. But that's for another day. So I'm already giving somebody some revelation here. I want to be a speaker. I want to be a speaker. Like John Maxwell. Like Sam Adeyemi. John Maxwell turned 70 yesterday. No noise. No noise. 70-year-old. Check him out on social media. It is well. God will help us. Let's not go there. We've said enough about birthdays. Celebrate if you want to celebrate. That's a very accomplished man. So... When you are an authority in your field, you will be asked to speak. May the love of God continually fill your heart. Because if we love people, we, we speak because we love people. Hello? Even those, those who speak in the area of business, it's because they're successful first, because they want to help people. Yes, they want to make money too. But they must be interested in helping people first before the money will come back to them. Because why would people pay to go and listen to them? Well, people pay because they believe that this man, this lady, the words she's going to speak is going to help me to be a success. So do you catch the drift? So it says here that if I speak with the tongues of men, because we're talking about speaking, we're talking about preaching, we're talking about, you know, and... The average person, too, especially if you're a believer, you have the opportunity to speak to people, to encourage someone along the way, whether in your office, whether in the market, or whatever. And then with the tongues of angels, hmm, those are the prayer warriors. Where are my prayer warriors? Where are my prayer warriors in the house? Ah, no hands are going up. Because <laughs> they don't know where I'm going. <laughs> Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, you can speak in tongues. Amen. It's a heavenly language and it's good. You get the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you speak in tongues. It's wonderful. How many people know it's wonderful? It is. Because when you don't know what to say again, speak in tongues. So that you're not just repeating yourself. The Holy Spirit helps you to intercede. Hallelujah. So whether your tongues are very powerful or whether you think your tongues sound powerful or not, he says, if love, if you don't have love in your heart, what did he say? 
He says, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Noise. So he said, even if I have the gift of what? Prophecy. And understand all mysteries and knowledge. That lawyer was knowledgeable. Understanding mysteries. Gift of prophecy is also a, one of the um, utterance, gifts of utterance. You utter things and it comes to pass. You prophesy over someone and the next day or a month after, then says, ah, that thing you said, it came to pass. You are a prophet. Gift of prophecy. But he says that if you don't have love, you're nothing. We will not be nothing in Jesus' name. And even if you have faith, the gift of faith that will move mountains, if we don't have love, God said, it what? Profits. It profits us nothing. God says it amounts to nothing. But all that we do will amount to much in Jesus, in Jesus' name. So that's describing the noisemakers. Right? Now let's move on to verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. He said, whether the prophecies, they will fail. They will pass away. Tongues will cease. Knowledge will vanish away. Because we know in part and we prophesy in part. But he says, love never fails. Love does not envy. Say, Lord, enlarge my capacity to love. I want to be a lover. Say it out loud and confidently. I want to be a lover. I don't want to be a noisemaker. And so will that be in Jesus' name. So read the rest of the chapter. It says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. It's time to put away childish things, to go on to greater things. So you might be whatever you are, whatever God has called you to be, doctor, lawyer, food seller, cake maker, whatever, football analyst, whatever. But you need to be a lover also. You need to be a lover. Is a worthy call, is a worthy profession, it's God is love. God is love. And the Bible says we are made in his image. Do you agree with me? How many people are made in the image of God? Made in his image. We are made in God's image and in God's likeness. Even people who do not obviously maybe have Jesus in their lives or God, even people who are, I don't want to mention any name because I am not a Pharisee. Hello? It's God that knows. Yes. So, even the person out there that you have judged as a very weird person or whatever, 
Everyone is made in God's image. It's just that, does everyone know it to walk in it? We will not walk in the image of the devil in Jesus' name. We will not write, we will not live out his script in the name of Jesus. We are all made in the image of God. God didn't make a fake. God didn't make failure. God didn't have a nightmare when he made anybody who allowed anyone to be conceived in their mother's womb. But it's left for humankind, for us to know that we are made in God's image and to seek to conform to his image. We say, Lord, you're my creator. Show me how to live. And that's what that lawyer came to Jesus to. He said, show me how to live. What must I do to live? To really be the person that pleases God. To be, to live and not to be a shadow of myself. Amen. And I pray that God will give us more insight. It, it is our highest call as believers to love. The Bible says, love the Lord. We read it earlier. With all your heart, with all your strength, with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. First John chapter 3, verse 16 said, by this they will know we have passed from death to life because we have love for the brethren. Because we have love for one another. We have love for those who are in the church, the family of Christ. We have love for people who are outside, who are in the world. We have love for them as well. Amen. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. It says, the love of God is shared abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. When you give your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into your heart. It says, look at it. Now, hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So don't say that I can't love. It's difficult. You have the capacity to love. If you find it difficult to love anyone, ask the Holy Spirit for help. Ask him, Holy Spirit, help me. I'm struggling with this love thing. Help me to know you. Because if you know God you will be able to love better. Praise God. Because you know that is a forgiving God. You know that this moment, so your portion, but you can be alive this moment, and the next moment God can say, report in heaven. You know the story of the rich young ruler? And Jesus said, sell all you have. He came to him again. Well, isn't that, that's a very similar story. I don't want to digress, but it just came into my mind that that's a very similar story. The rich young ruler came to Jesus. I don't want to go there because of time. He came to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said, I've even kept all the law, ah, the Ten Commandments, everything. You know, he was really full of himself. He said, from my youth, I've done this, I've done that. Jesus hmm. said, okay, one more thing. Sell all you have and follow me. Ah! The Bible says the man went away sorrowful. Because he said a, great, a man who had great possessions came to Jesus. What must I do? Why did he come to Jesus? He felt that with all the riches, there was still something more. There was an emptiness. When people don't know how to feel that emptiness, they look for love in all kinds of places. They search for love in all kinds of places. They think, okay, if I change my gender... Maybe I will get it. You see, you are laughing. May God forgive you. <laughs> you are not supposed to laugh because it's not. It may sound funny, 
Sorry, I'm not judging you. But you're supposed to have compassion when you hear people are confused about their gender. Sorry, I'm always talking about this gender thing. That's how I, that is what I understand it to be. Someone is confused. Please, don't just think that they want to, yes, it looks like they want to change the whole world, change the definition of marriage and everything, but the root of it all, as they gain um, confidence and increase numerically, then they go on to promote laws. Now, okay, let's change marriage. It's not just between man and woman like it's in the Bible. They're like, no, this day and age. Things evolve, so current issues now. It can be man and man, man. But it didn't start from there. It started because they have imbibed another script that God didn't write for them. They have believed it. And you know one thing about our behaviors? Our beliefs determine our behaviors. Our values and our beliefs. If you want to change someone's behavior, change the person's belief. Change the person's values. Change what the person deeply believes in. The behavior will, will just follow. Hello. Because I know it's more blessed to give than to receive. I give as a lifestyle. Ah, you don't have to cajole and, you know, ah, give this amount and give this amount. I'm not even into those who do it, that's how God leads them to say, give a certain amount. If I don't go below this amount, I don't, I don't believe in that. It's if you're a lover, giving will be your lifestyle. If you believe so much that it's the pathway to pleasing God, one of the pathways to pleasing God, if you believe that because God himself is love and you have the nature of love, you won't be begged to give. You get the drift. So your values determine your behavior. Praise God. So what you believe controls how you behave. If you believe that chickens bite, when you say chicken coming, you will run. So if you see someone running from a chicken, don't laugh at the person. That person was already sold the information that chickens bite or they can kill you or whatever. So what you have to do is to change that ideology and then that person will not run from chicken. You say, ah, come, you are meant to kill and eat. You are running from meat. <laughs> you are meant to kill and eat. It's meat for you. Praise God. So it's what we believe that determines our behavior. And so when we believe that God is love, when we believe that he paid the price for us, when we believe that we have the nature of God, when you believe that you are love, then you will manifest love. Do you agree with me? Because that, that chapter, verse 4 says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. So if I find myself envied, I must tell myself, what do I believe? I am love, so why would I envy? Why would I envy? That means fear has come in. That means insecurity has come in. Why would I envy? So if you find yourself envying or being short-tempered or rejoicing at evil or when bad things happen to people, you rejoice, check your heart. It means love is not in place. Check your heart. That's where to add, make the adjustments. Say, Lord, pour out your love again in my heart. Help me 
Help me. It's like I'm slipping away from the script. It's like I'm, I'm turning into another person. Because that's not our nature. When we gave our lives to Christ, the nature of God was birthed in us. And we're supposed to develop it. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, patience, kindness, meekness, temperance, and all of that. At least nine things. But love is the sum total of all those things that are listed. Just like in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Because he said the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then he didn't even say, ah, love, patience, kindness. He said, is love. And then all those things. Because love is a summary of all those things. Kindness, patience, everything is summed up in one word, love. Praise God. I hope you are getting something out of it. Yeah, it seems like a very serious message tonight. So this guy, Jesus said, I'm glad you realized you need eternal life. And this is how to be a lover of God and people. How many of you want to love? You want to love people more. You want to love God more. And you want to love people. Because if you love God, you will love people. Do you agree with me? Sure. <laughs> you can't say you love God. It's there in the Bible scripture. You can't say you love God and you hate your brother. It means that the love of God is not in you. Or it's not sitting well in you. No. Love of God is not, I love you, Lord. Huh. Tongues of angels. <laughs> and I'll raise my voice. Tongues of angels. We can sing it loftily. But in our hearts, is the love in place? And then God says, do this for me. Like, ah. To worship. You know how you do as if you did not hear God say what he said. Sometimes, especially when it comes to giving. I don't like talking about giving more because I believe that it's supposed to be a lifestyle. If I've given my life to Christ, then my whole life, everything I have that I'm yet to have, belongs to him. It's already his up front. Nothing is too big. Nothing should be too big for you to give God. But some people need it. They need to be like, ah, you have to give it, give your best. Give it. I don't believe that we have to be wound up to give. Because if you are love, you will give. Why don't we give whatever God tells us to give? It's fear that is at the root of it. So he says, give all your off, give all you have in your pocket, or da, 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 da. Then you're not thinking, ah, so what will I eat? Then I'll not have transport money for the rest of the week. Ah, then this. And then I'll not be able to pay my rent because I've already saved the money of rent. Do, do, do. Then at the end of the day, the landlord will kick me out. Then I'll be on the street. I'll not have food to eat. At the end of the, what is at the end of it? Death. And because we're afraid of death, we don't do what we're supposed to do. <laughs> but when you're not afraid of death, you say, ah, okay, heaven is nice. So. <laughs> See, many of us have not studied heaven. That's why we're like, ah, no, I must marry before Jesus comes. <laughs> ah, I've not... <laughs> That means you are carnal. <laughs> Sorry to say. I know we're not supposed to be preaching uh, to be heavenly good and not earthly uh, relevant because we are waiting for heaven. But the Bible says that he that has his hope in himself purifies himself. That hope that Jesus is coming back. It helps you to live ready. Because when I'm maybe not forgiving someone, or I'm, it just occurs to me that, so if Jesus comes now, ah, no way. I have to forgive quickly. Because I don't know. If Jesus comes and I'm in unforgiveness, I don't know if I'll make heaven. 
I don't know. That's another um, aspect of this scriptures for the deep teachers to teach. If someone is saved, once saved, they are saved forever. Would they go to heaven even if they do anything, kill someone? That's for the deep teachers. If Jesus comes or if someone dies, the person is a Christian and the person was in deep unforgiveness, malice, uh, it was a murderer, would the person go to heaven? I don't know. <laughs> and I don't want to find out. So I want to live ready. That's why it says when you forgive and when you, you're doing it for yourself, not for that person. Because why would I not come and be living for God all these years and at the last minute because of something that I'm refusing to let go and now come and go to the other side? Ah, no way. We must all finish strong. So you get the deal. You must all finish strong. So everything you have done for good, for God, will not be a waste. Your works will not be burnt in Jesus' name when it is tested by fire. So love is the key and is the work. Let's look very quickly. Let's run this quick, through this quickly. What are the characteristics of noisemakers? No, we said noisemakers versus lovers. So, what are the characteristics of noisemakers? Sorry, this title sounds like a debate, right? How many of us were in school before? <laughs> Especially school, if you went to school in this part of the world, where we are right now. Ha. I just remember some comedians now. Let me not go there. Which one is better, rice and beans, or, <laughs> you know, in those days, I'm here to defend the motion. <laughs> That's, technology is better than, do, do, do. boys are better than girls. So with all this, Mr. Timekeeper, I hope I have been able to convince you. Without all reasonable, uh, what? <laughs> Doubts, right? <laughs> Judges. <laughs> Ha! Debate. Sometimes there's no right or wrong, but it's a matter of the one that has the most organized thoughts, the verbal prowess, and all the most points. But this one is not about most points, though. So. Noise makers versus lovers. You already know the one that God wants us to choose. So you look at this and you know whether you're a noise maker or you're a lover. I'm not here to judge anyone. But we are to use the word of God as a mirror, as a standard that helps us to see, ah, God, I've fallen short again today. Forgive me and help me. It's supposed to be a mirror, not the physical mirror, but the word of God is a mirror. And that's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Now you look at the mirror before going out. You adjust what is out of place. You look at the word of God to be able to adjust and put in place what should be put in place. Noisemakers, they prefer to preach to people they prefer to only preach to people or talk to people, tell them what to do, preach the word of God or whatever, than to meet their practical needs. James chapter 2, verse 14 to, 16, to 17. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things that are needed for the body, what does it profit? 
So also faith by itself is dead if it doesn't have works. So let's back up our faith with love. It already says that love, faith works by love. Let's back up our faith with love. Two, noisemakers. We're looking at the characteristics of noisemakers. They value religious activities over solving practical problems for others. Going for service, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you're in church every day. But it's good to come to church. Praise God. But what time do you have to connect with people out there who are hurting? People who need help. What time do you have to really give practicality to this word that we come here to receive? So don't value religious activities over solving problems for people. In our daily work, we solve problems for people. Just make sure you are doing it out of love. You're a banker, you're the teller or whatever. Do it out of love. Do it fast. Do it sharply. Do it with dignity. Do it with a smile. So the person that comes to collect money lives with a good feeling. Hello? Let this person know that they've encountered love. Because that's the way to go. Praise God. Not that someone comes to the bank to collect. Withdraw from his own money. Like, mm -hmm. Feed this for Why? Why? Why do we do things like that? No, why do we do things like that? Someone says, eh, she's having a bad day too. The person that came to withdraw money too is having a bad day. If I have a very bad day, that's why he has rushed to the bank to, to collect money to go and solve a problem. You don't know whether a relative is dying and he's come to withdraw his money. Stay here. Why do we do those things? Can we talk tonight? Why do we behave like that? Why are people laughing tonight? It's supposed to be a serious message. Why do we do that? No, just think about it. You've come across people like that before? Have you behaved like that before? There's someone who say, well, before, but that was a long time ago. I know better now, so I don't do that. Thank God. Even sometimes our children, what? Go, 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 go. Child that you prayed for. I'm not saying we should idolize our children. Child that some people are still trusting God for. Hey, daddy, I want to go, go, go. I don't have time now. Child, a human being, is just that he's in a small version. The same thing they did to you, that you turned out, <laughs> mean the lion of your house, or the lioness. You are now already doing it to that child. And then children grow up thinking, no, adults, no, they don't see us. No, we are little people. These are the things going on in their mind. I was very touched one day to the glory of God. This was many years ago at the orphanage, Love Home Orphanage, that God many years ago laid on my heart to 
to birth and it's still going strong and those children are full of love. They're so full of love. They can recite the love confession, which is taken from 1 Corinthians 13. I think it's still on the church website because I asked the tissue put it there some years ago. Every night they recite it before they go to bed and they can read it by heart. So many years ago, so my youngest daughter, she was still very little. I don't know, maybe she was like four or five years. And we're there, and um, they were saying some things. I think it was a Christmas party we were having with them, and they were saying, everybody should say something about, you say something about me. And then she now said, uh, my mom respects children. I was very touched. What did she know the meaning of respect? I thought she would even say loves children. But she used the word respect, and I thought this is deep. And in my heart, I agreed. You're a child, I respect you. I'll correct you. If I have to, you know, beat you into shape, I will. I will do it in love because tomorrow you'll be my leader. You're going to be our leaders tomorrow. When you are 70 years old, the president should be around 40 or 50. Hello. Uh -uh, by then, how bad? Nigeria should have changed. <laughs> and the other African countries, how bad? Our leaders of old, when Nigeria got independence, about that time and before, the Gowans and Co. Obasan Jones, can I mention names? Ojuku, they were 20, 28, 29, 30. Those were their ages. But now, even a 35 year old, no, let's leave the country as the presidential and governorship and all of that, even in your organization. Who are you empowering? I say they must have five, ten years' experience before they come. Where are they supposed to get the experience from? Okay, you want to employ 25, a 25 year old, and you are saying must have five years' experience. Abba. And they went to school in this nation. <laughs> Let's think. And this borders on delegation. Okay, that means. We're talking about the stewardship of people. I may not have called it that title. We're talking about the stewardship. Somebody is committed into your hands, young or old, and you treat the person anyhow. Do we answer in heaven? Amen. That spouse of yours, yes, a big amen. See, people couldn't say amen. They went quiet. That spouse of yours, check your heart. Are you a noisemaker or a lover? Is it just talk, 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 and no action? I'll do this, and when I come in the evening, we will, you know, till tomorrow. I'll help you, I'll help you clean that, you know, don't worry, till tomorrow. I'll listen to you, your, that dream that you want to share with me, okay, we'll listen, till tomorrow. But empty promises, noise makers, just making noise, no genuine love. That sister, that brother that you share a room with, is there love in your heart? These are things that we're supposed to think about. People around you for a purpose. So if you're a lover, then we, uh, let, let me not jump the gun. Because lovers are givers. You see, when you're a lover, let me continue with noise. We're talking about noisemakers. You see, the way to do it is to always think that life is not about you. 
and it's about other people. Because he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Don't be thinking about, okay, if I go into relationship, how will he pay me? Okay, let's leave relationship. If I go to this, I want to work in this organization, how will they pay me? How will they? No. You're supposed to think, what value can I add? And then you literally rise to the top. Because let me tell you, people are looking for those who will add value, who will serve. Even people who are, you know, rich and, you know, at the top, really, in quote, they're not looking for people who want to just take from them. So we are going, we're, we're noisemakers, very quickly, um, we had read two points now, right? The people that value religious activities over problem solving. And again, we can see that in Luke 10, um, 30 to 34, um, talking about the Good Samaritan, the story that we read. Because the Levite and the other ones, they, they valued their religious activities that they were going to do. And they thought this was a menial job to stay and... In fact, it's like, oh, only God knows what he did. Maybe he went to steal, that's why. They've thrown rubber on his head. They're burning somebody alive. You think that, thinking that he deserves, he deserves it. Okay. Third point. Characteristics of noisemakers. In the event that they meet people's needs, it's for selfish reasons to receive acclaim or honor from men. And Matthew 6, 1 to 4 says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. Otherwise, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And these are the words of Jesus. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward already. But when you do a charitable deed, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret himself will reward you openly. I know this is, yeah, and that, those are Jesus' words. Some may ask, okay, but today, um, people put pictures when they're donating stuff, <laughs> and they say, oh, we went to this orphanage yesterday and see what we gave. Is a fine line because of the world we're in today. If you have a non-profit, a charity, or what, people have to know what you're doing. So don't think that, eh, we're not supposed to publicize anything. So if you set up a charity, people need to see what you did with their money. Hello? People need to see. So it's a fine line. All you have to, be, you have to make sure is that it's, you're doing it out of love and not for men to praise you. And in that situation, it is God that really knows. Men may not know, but it's God that really knows what the condition of our heart and what the motive of our heart is like. Um, okay, the last one. Noisemakers, they harbor prejudice against people who don't belong to their social, ethnic, gender, racial, or age group. They harbor prejudice against them. That's what I'm saying. Even if... Some men have prejudice against women. Some women have against men. And, of course, against those who are transgender, no gender, change of gender. God expects us to love 
these people. Love people. Pray for people who are different from you. Hello? So Luke chapter 9, verse 49 to 50. Now John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow with us. See? He does not, he's not in our group. He's not in our class. He's not in our company. That was why when the children were coming to Jesus, the disciples drove them away. Jesus had to say, mm, leave them. Come, 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 come. See, you have to be like them for you to enter the kingdom of heaven. He used them to preach. He used them as examples. They were sober. They had concluded that Jesus would want to see them because oh, what are you doing when adults are here? Can you remember how um, David's brothers, you know he was the one that was anointed king. I think he was even the youngest, the one that was in the bush, that they didn't even remember that there was still a son. Yeah, the man didn't remember he had a son. Of course, he was anointed. He went back. He continued doing what he was doing. And the day Goliath was, you know, he had been threatening. He went down to his brothers. He was sent to give them food. But he also wanted to know what was going on. What did his brother say? Ah, what are you looking for here? Mm. Very nosy. Go back to what you are doing. This place is not for small people like you. At the end of the day, was he not the one that got victory for the nation? Stop looking down on people. Stop judging them by their packaging. Male or female, it's a new day. Let's do the word of God. Bible says, even from the out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, he has ordained praise. Do you know children can prophesy over you? And you will be blessed. I'm telling you. Depends on how open your heart is to them. Let's not look down on people. Let's correct in love when we need to correct. Because you don't know what someone is going through and you don't know whether you are the one now adding to whatever wound the person already had. So, these people believe, they believe that if you are not in my, let's bring it home now, tribe. In fact, you have to be from my village before I can marry you. You will stay there for long. <laughs> It's not a curse. <laughs> be open. May someone's heart be open. May someone's heart be enlarged in Jesus' name. Hey, you have heard that people from that tribe, ah, my parents have said, don't marry them. They are using their experience, they are using their example. Don't. Say, God, I will be in a relationship with whoever you are leading me to. I will give, I will, I will, I will give him a chance or I will give her a chance. Praise God. So shall it be in Jesus' name. Let's look at the characteristics of lovers. Ah, we've done away with the, with the very hard part, right? Mm. God help us. Tell yourself, I will not be a noisemaker. I, I will not be a clanging cymbal. I am love. And love is my nature. Characteristics of love. One, they are willing to sacrifice. First John 3, 16, I'd said that earlier on, but this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. We also need to lay down our lives for the brethren. Wow. By this, we know love. 
I remember many years ago, still single, not, not married then, I used to like to come to church, fellowship, especially the midweek service in the church when we attended then. I used to feel very excited when it was Thursday, because it was Thursday then, as here is Wednesday, right? My heart just used to beat. Don't worry, I was not in a relationship with pastor then. I just used to feel very excited until I saw the scripture that says, you know, we know that we love the brethren. We've passed from life, you know. It, it just used to be very palpable for me. Of course, I know I'm coming to hear the word of God, but I also used to feel like I'm going to see people. We're going to see people. We're going to see each other again. I wasn't focusing on any particular person. Hello? Maybe that's just my design that I feel that way. Do some people feel that way? Do you sometimes feel that way? Yes. I didn't know. I didn't even know I was going to be a pastor's wife then. Maybe God was already teaching me how to love members. <laughs> and it wasn't this time. It was a former church then. I remember there was a particular day that um, the church administrator then called some of us, a few of us, <laughs> and they wanted to buy a car for the pastor. And the pastor was, you know, yours truly, my husband. He was not my husband then. He was a pastor of the branch of a church. Very young man then. <laughs> Can't believe I'm married to a 50-year-old man. Old. So, <laughs> so they wanted to um, buy him a vehicle, buy him a car, because he was their pastor and you know, didn't have a car. He was walking on his feet and he was... <laughs> of course, he's always been a great blessing, even from a young age. His parents will say that. <laughs> so... A few of us were called. Those days, they don't, they don't raise offering from everybody, but a few of us were called by the church administrator. And I was doing my NYC then. I just started. Had I started? Or had not started? But I was, I, I was one of those that were called into a meeting. We weren't many and said they wanted us to raise um, money. They already had money. I think someone, yes, someone already had put down money that we're going to get this car. But there was a so my mom left to make up the difference, I remember. And so they said, we should just give whatever we can give. So after that meeting, I went to uh, Pastor So-and-so. He's a very powerful pastor today in the Redeem uh, system. And I told him that, ah, sir, <laughs> I'm a copper. Yes. <laughs> and I was happy that I was called to give. And I used to drive this um, Volkswagen car then. You don't see many of them around now. Bitu. Do people see Bitu around? When last did you see one? Oh, and that car is good, though. Ah, rocked. Rock. Rock solid. I don't see Beetle. They don't manufacture them anymore. Oh. <laughs> Two doors. You know? Huge. It wasn't mine. It belonged to my cousin who I lived with at, um, if you live in Lagos, do you know Onikpan? Pangroove. <laughs> So I lived with him, he was also an architect, we worked, um, I think I was also working with him then as an architect, and he had this extra beetle car, and that was what I used to drive, to work, to go to sites and everything. So I'll go to church with the car and everything, so maybe people thought it was mine, or maybe thought it was mine. I was looking like, you know, maybe looking like a girl that, you know, a big girl, single but coming up. So like, there was nothing. NYC, how much were we paid then? I don't know, 750, then it became 150. 
uh, sorry, 750, that became 1,500. I don't know, do the maths in dollars now, I don't know. <laughs> I know, that's like $3 in a whole month. Oh, I survived. Anyway, I had just told him afterwards that, sir, I am going to pledge my um, allowance at the end of the month. Um, I'm a, I'm a copper, and this is what they pay us. And he said, hey, ah, I, don't, I said, yeah, I just wanted you to know. So that I won't think I was giving, with all she has, she's giving, I gave my whole one month salary, and I was happy to do it. So at the end of the day, I ripped the man and the car. Be I did not know. There was no connection before then. No chemistry. No chemistry, no connection. I did it out of love. I did it for my pastor. I did it because I was called upon. You know, I could have chickened out. Sir, copper, copper, how much? Then he would have said, ah, okay, sorry, we didn't know. Go. But I gave everything, and I did it joyfully. And I don't, I give, God is my boss. I give him all the glory. The man and the car became my own. Ah, thank you, Lord. And that car did ministry work, eh? Even that car came with us into Desta when we started Desta. With that car, I drove to buy white chairs in Antony near Atunrashe Hotel. I bought white, car, uh, white chairs. I put them in the car, five, in batches of five. I think I went twice or three times. <laughs> and took it to the house. Do you know Bariga? <laughs> Where we started the prayer meetings and the fellowship before we now started Dista. It was a joy to do so. May God make you a lover. Yeah. May God make it, may it be easy for you to love. Yeah. May it be stress-free, not something that you do forcefully. And if you find there, there's someone that's difficult for you to love, may God enlarge your heart and give you the grace. To love that person that is so unlovable, that person that gets under your skin all the time, that child that is maybe ha has a physical challenge, that child that has a physical challenge, maybe a mental one, maybe a physical one, that child that doesn't get good grades in school, even that spouse. Some people, their spouse is very difficult to love them at some point in time. May God give you the grace to go the extra mile. Because you will reap. God will reward you. The Bible says he does not forget your labor of love. So when love is a labor, God will not forget. It's not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. Because sometimes you have to labor in love. Somebody calls you names, you still continue loving the person. That's a labor of love. God will not forget. And you will be, you will be more than rewarded by him in Jesus' name. So lastly, we're talking about characteristics of lovers. Two, they meet practical needs. 1 John 3, 17. I've said it before. 1 John 3, sorry, 1 John 3, 17 and 18. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? And he says, my children, let us not love in word or tongue, in word or tongue only. For that is equal to noise making. Yeah. Let me put that aside. Let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and truth. 
And then the third one, they value people over projects or religious activities. So the opposite of what we read <laughs> for the noisemakers. They value people over projects. People are the real resources. And our country, Nigeria, as well as many other countries, United States, I love the United States of America, and I love many other countries of the world. Any country God lays on my heart to pray for, I love the country already, <laughs> whether I've been there or not. What God has given us is human resources. People over oil. They love the oil more than the people. That's where we are today. But it's a new day because all that is going to change. Because if you love the people, you will empower them to prosper. You will have policies that help them to register their business. Sharp, sharp. Because you know that you will ask for the taxes. And then the taxes, you see, this is how it works. A country gives enabling environment for people to make money easily. But the joker is this. As you're making the money, you're sharing it. You're giving unto Caesar what is his. You know, and you give to God what is his. So that's how it works in some developed countries like the U.S., Ah, those people know. <laughs> Let me not go there. Money, how to? There's no way to escape them, except if you are not, um, you don't have the social security, or you don't live there. If you live there, you have the social security. There's nowhere. They have your number. You cannot hide. As you make it, there's a percentage of it that goes to them, and you keep the rest. And after all, they helped you to make it. Hello? But here, we didn't care. Our leaders didn't care. They didn't care if people went on riot and shut down and said, we're not going to open the market. We're, we're having a rally. If you don't answer us, we're not going to open the schools or we're not going to sell. We're going to close the shop and we'll strike for four days. You know how the government said, oh, four days. Yeah, there. <laughs> quickly, what do we do? We quickly open the shops again. Because what? We are on our own. But in other countries, they dare not do it. Because they know what they also will lose. As you lose, they also lose. <laughs> they... Those systems, those places are built on taxpayers' money. But how do you have money to pay tax? It's because they have helped you. Ah, free seminars, ideas. How, ah, the bank will say, come, open account, quick. Ah, because you share it and they use that portion to even create a more enabling environment for you. But it's a new day in our country. We and our leaders will begin to value people. Amen. That's all we've got, each other. When the oil is dried up, we have each other. <laughs> At the end of the day, what you have, what I have, we exchange. Maybe we'll go back to trade by butter. We can kick money out of the way. <laughs> I'm telling you, because we have to survive. We have to eat. Bottom line, you grow tomatoes, I grow yam. I give you some yam, you give me some tomatoes. We survive together. Because before, there was no money. That's how we existed. People saw money in their head, went haywire. I believe that love will heal nations. Love is what will heal nations. Love and not war. Love for one president or ruler over a nation to say, okay, what are we fighting over? Palestine or no Palestine, Gaza Strip. Okay, you take it. You can have it. But no, ah fight to finish because they don't care about the citizens, they don't care about the children that will be displaced it's always a fight over territories and there's more than enough on the face of the earth but they want more and they want more and they want more it's a loveless life 
and it's a life of noise making. They promise all sorts, manifesto. Ah, if you let me into power, I will do this, do this. Noise making. Because when they come into power, where is the action? Where is the love? It was just empty promises. Tongues of men and of angels. Which one will you be? Lastly, lovers don't discriminate. They show kindness to all. Matthew 5.45 says, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Matthew 5.45, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain both on the just and on the unjust. How many want to be lovers tonight? How many people want to be lovers? How many want to say, I'm tired of noise making? I want to love more. Give me more opportunities to love, Lord. Let's stand up on our feet and pray.